0: And turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. And today, um, I really believe we're going to finish this portion of Scripture. Can I get an amen right there? This is our third sermon in this passage. And so we're in 1 John 4, verse 7, going down to chapter 5, verse 3. So let uh, let me read it, and then we'll pray over it, and then we'll get into it. 1 John 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this in this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love Him because He first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates His brother, he's a liar. And he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. So Lord, thank you for your word today. We pray your blessing over this passage one more time, Lord, as we make our way through this epistle. We welcome your Holy Spirit to teach us what we need to know. And Lord, in the process of this proclamation and preaching of your word, Lord, that you would be pleased and honored and you would be glorified through your word today. And that your people, the church, would be edified and challenged and built up because of it. So Lord, anoint me to preach the way you want and let us all have an ear that would hear what saith the Lord today. So we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So we're finishing this, this sermon uh, entitled, To Love as Christ. Started it a couple of weeks ago. And um, summary, the summary statement of this sermon is, to love God and love people as Christ loves us. How many of you know that's a, that's a hefty challenge, to love God and love people the way that Christ has loved us? Um, Before we get started, I just want to reflect on the author of this. That's the Apostle John. I know we talked about it last week a little bit, but I I like history. I like the background. In fact, if you like history, I just remembered, uh, every Wednesday at 12 o'clock from 12 to 1, we have a Zoom uh, meeting. Uh, Bill Unger is teaching on church history. It's entitled How We Got Here. It's a great study. I really encourage you to come and be a part of that. Every, every Wednesday from 12 to 1 o'clock on Zoom, we'll send you the ID numbers. But anyway, the background of, of of this epistle is that it's written by John. John was one of the apostles. John is one of the pillars of the church that we read about in uh, the book of Acts. He's a writer of the Gospel of John, these three epistles, and the Revelation uh, at the end. Um, he, uh, he was one of the sons of thunder, which we talked about last week. He was a little rough around the edges. Notice how many times he says that they're a liar in the epistle. That's kind of an, an indication of where he's coming from. But God used him. He also had a heart for God. He's referred to as the one whom Jesus loved. Um, he's the one that, uh, that Jesus said from the cross. He said, John, behold your mother. Mom, behold your son. Take care of my mother. And he was certainly there on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell and he began to proclaim the Word of God. He's he's been involved in the whole movement of the church. So when he says things, in my estimation, it carries a lot of weight. We already saw, there's a few instances in chapter 4 and chapter 1 where he says, We were there. We saw him. We we heard what he said. We we were witnesses of his glory. And so this, this author knows exactly what he's talking about. And I just want to say, if God could take a son of thunder to use for his glory, can he take one of us for his glory? He can. He can. And he will if we let him do that. So anyway, so we've been going verse by verse through this epistle. Our goal is to go verse by verse through 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. Just like we're going through the book of Daniel on Wednesday nights, verse by verse. We call this, by the way, exegesis in case you didn't know what we're doing. We're going through an exegesis, exegetical study of the Word of God. So according to the Britannica.com definition, exegesis is the critical interpretation of the biblical text to discover its intended meaning. And it's true. When you go through verse by verse, man, you find things you would normally skip right over, you know? So we're, we're finding all these little details. Uh, GotQuestions.com says that uh, exegesis is the exposition or explanation of the word of a biblical text. So we've been going through this, looking at the context of it, the word meaning of of several words, the critical application, cross-references. And also, just so you know, like when I study and prepare, I always look back to see what other great men and women of the word have said about certain passages. So there's some other scholarship that's thrown in, as well as a fresh revelation from the Holy Spirit. So uh, as, as, as we get into this today, uh, verses 7 down to chapter 5, verse 3, we're, we're giving a, a, what I would call a summary or a condensed version of that text. I call it five takeaways. And I would encourage you to take notes. I remember back in the day, um, my first Bible, I think I showed you one time, there's a million notes in that. I, wrote, I would write it, in it by hand in, in my Bible. People don't do that so much anymore. But if you want to take notes, uh, you may want to refer to those, these things later on because the outline doesn't have a whole lot of notes to it. So I want to give you a couple of things to think about. To love as Christ, okay? So this is our summary. First of all, if we're to love as Christ, we have got to understand there is no way in the world we could do this in our own strength. It's an impossible task when you think about it. It says in verse number seven, beloved, let us love one another for love is of God or love is from God. Love is the, uh, God is the source of, of love. Verse number eight says, God is love. And again, we're talking about the agape love of God. We're not talking about Eros or Phileo or Storhe. We're talking about Agape, the unconditional, you know, unmerited love of God to the world and to the, his people. Uh, and, and so he's asking us to love each other with that same kind of love. And I, I wondered sometimes why we all have such a hard time with this, but I did some research, and this is what I want to tell you. This is a test. This is a test. We already looked at it. I'll I'll show you in a few minutes. But Jeremiah said a long time ago, Jeremiah 7, verses 9 and 10. The heart is wonderful and full of glory. No, no, no. The heart is deceitful. The heart is uh, deceitful above all things uh, and and desperately wicked. Hello? Who knows it? I, the Lord, search the heart, he says. "I, I test the mind. And there is definitely a test going on in the body of Christ today. Jesus kind of echoed what Jeremiah said. Listen to what Jesus said in Mark 7. He said, what comes out of a man that defiles a man. Oh boy. For from within, from out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts. Do I need to tell you this, by the way? Evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, Thefts, covetousness, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within and defile a man. So we look at verse number seven, it says, Beloved, let us love one another. This is an impossible task under the current circumstances of a fallen, the fallen nature that we all have. If we are to love other people, we must abide in the love of God. And we already said this, but the, that agape, God loves us. When we get saved, when we accept Christ, there's a deposit of His love in our heart, and we all have it. Can I get an amen right there? We all have it. Otherwise, there wouldn't be the, the, the mandate in verse number 7 to love everybody. How can you love somebody if you don't have the capacity to love? He's saying, you have the capacity. So Paul, you know, Paul talks about these things. He said in one place, he said, he said, you know, we have this gift of God's love in earthen vessels. You know what he means by that? We have this gift of salvation in flesh and blood. We have this, this gift, and we have to walk it out, live it out in real life, and sometimes it gets a little sticky and a little ugly. He said in another place, he said, thanks be to God for this indescribable gift that we have. You have a gift from God. It's God's love. It's put into your heart when you said yes to the Lord. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to read from Hebrews 2 for just a second. If you want to go there, you can. If not, just listen to me. Hebrews 2, verse 1, 2, and 3 says, Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Oh, my goodness. You mean we can't just get saved and live there for the rest of our lives under that one experience? No, you can't. You have to be abiding in the love of God. He says in verse 2, if the, word, if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and, uh, and uh, disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at, first, at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed by those who heard him, like John, for instance. But how can we neglect this gift that God has given to us? How can we uh, just kind of let it go and dissipate out of our spirit? But he says, no, you have to take heed to those things that were spoken to, that you received, lest they drift away. I would say, in my experience, whenever there's a conflict in the church, like a bad conflict, do, do churches have bad conflicts? Yeah. But usually it's because somebody involved has not been abiding in the love of God. And that... Atmosphere of a lack of trust or lack of faith or lack of love is manifested in the flesh and it becomes a problem. But anyway, the Lord the Lord is asking to us asking us to love one another. Uh, 1 John 3 14, we looked at this, this a few times. He said, By this you know that you've passed from death to life by how you love one another. Oh my goodness. Really? And now he's talking about the body of Christ. It's almost easier to love those out there. <laughs> because when you come into the body of Christ, you know, we all have our stuff. Amen. I got my stuff. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. But we all have our stuff. And we, we, we get to know each other. We, you know, things happen. And sometimes it's hard to love people like that. But God is calling us to love one another. 1 John 4, 13, it says, by this we know we're abiding in Christ by our love for one another. So the first thing, if we're we're to love as Christ, we have to understand we could never do this alone. But we don't have to do it alone. So how do we get that love going? John chapter 4 tells a great story of the woman at the well. Sinful, Samaritan woman with five husbands, all this stuff, and Jesus said there, if you knew what what water I could give you, you'd be asking me for water, not me asking you for water. We need to drink from the living water, church. We need to drink from the Spirit of God. We need to just make time for living waters to flow into us and upon us and to be refreshed by his holy presence. How else could we give agape away without the living water? Jesus also said in John 15, he said, I'm the vine and you're the branches. You can do nothing without me. You've got to abide in the vine. So you've got to drink the the drink of the spirit, abide in the vine. Then in Luke chapter 6, Jesus is teaching and he says, you know, then you have to give your love away. Give it away. So let's, let's understand we cannot love in our own strength. There's no way. But we don't have to. We're not called to. But we all have to take our time and make priority to spend time drinking of the living water, drinking of the Holy Spirit, and abiding in the vine. That cuts out a lot of problems in life, by the way, if we would do that, if we would abide in the vine and drink of the living water. So that's number one. Number one, it's impossible to do this in our own strength. Number two is this is to receive his love daily, daily. Verse number 9, back in 1 John 4, verse 9, he says, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might, and I'm thinking, that we might have uh, eternal life, that we might have forgiveness of sins, that we might have power over Satan, that we might be a new creation. All that's true. But in this verse, he says that we might live through him. He he wants us to live through him. So Paul writes a lot about this. He said in in one scripture in Colossians, he says, all things that were made were made through Jesus and were made for Jesus. In Ephesians 2, verse 9 I think we've talked about this on our Thursday talk last week. But the the Lord said that we are his workmanship. We are his creation. We are his masterpiece. We're his musical composition. We're his poem that he's creating, that he thought of long before to do good works. We'll never do those things unless we abide in him. But it's a daily thing, isn't it? Jesus said... Give us this day our daily bread, that we would be close to the table. In John chapter 10, we, we, we hear about Jesus saying, I'm the door. You come through me, come through the door, and you'll find life. You come in and out, you'll find pasture. In John 10, 10 he says, but the thief has come to steal your life, to kill, rob, destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. So it's not just like an experience when one season of our life, oh, we were really close to God. No, he wants our life. And we're never going to have that unless we receive his love daily. I said a few weeks ago, I remember my story. When I first came to the Lord many years ago, I had the sinner's prayer on a little piece of paper. And I said that prayer every day for at least a year. And after a year, I felt the Holy Spirit say, you know, you don't have to say that anymore. You got it. You got this. And so I put it away. But I kept my faith alive. But lately I've been thinking, you know, it's not a bad idea to go back to the beginning and every day make a proclamation to the Lord. Lord God, today I receive you as my Lord. Thank you for yesterday. Yesterday is done. I need you today, Lord. Be my Savior today. A daily walk with the Lord. So... Paul thought he was living when he was out there persecuting the church, persecuting the Christians, all his zeal, all his hatred, all his fervor. He did it all for God, right? Until that one fateful day on Damascus Road when the Lord knocked him off his horse and spoke life to him. Paul died that day, and he was given a new life. That's why I can say with appreciation, and I always claim this verse for my own. Many of you have, but 2 Corinthians 5.17... I always heard it in the context of people with major, major issues. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But Paul wrote that, and Paul knew what he was talking about. He says, if anyone is in Christ like me, they're a new creation like me. I'm not running after the church to kill them. I'm brand new. God made something new in my spirit. And so when we get into this type of thing where it's a daily... A daily walk with God. A daily walk. Paul wrote in Acts 17, quoting a poet at the time. And some of us old-timers remember singing this back in the day. In him we live and move and have our being, for we are his offspring. He says in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. And the life that I live now in the flesh... I live through the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, if we want to love as Christ, we need to have a daily relationship with the Lord. He wants our life to be blessed, that we would live through Him. That's taken a whole new meaning for me. I mean, He wants to be our Lord at home with our families, He wants to be our Lord at our workplace. He wants to be our Lord here, certainly. He wants to be our Lord in, in the marketplace. And I would throw in, he wants to be our Lord even in market basket. Hello. And I don't have a market basket story right now, but I could come up with one if I thought about it for a minute. But he wants us to be a, a light. He wants us to be a, have that living hope no matter what we do. In our parenting, right? In our workplace, in what we do, how we act, how we, how we process life. He wants to, to live through us. How else can the world know that God exists? Right? Where do you, in verse what? Verse number uh, 13, 12 and 13? The world knows us. They don't see God, but they see God in us by our love for one another. So if we're to love as Christ, we have to receive his love daily. Daily, Hallelujah. David wrote in Psalm 63, he said, O oh God, you are my God, early will I seek you. That's an easy phrase to remember. I would suggest you memorize that. So Psalm 63, verse 1. O oh God, you are my God, early will I seek you. That means every day, Lord, I'm coming before you. For my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land. You ever wake up sometimes and just feel kind of miserable? Am I the only one? I feel the weight of the world. I didn't even get out of bed yet, for goodness sakes. I'm saying, Lord, what's going on? Well, my soul is longing for God. I'm too wrapped up in the concerns of the world, and my, my, my flesh is longing for you, Lord. My God, in a dry and thirsty land. We're living in a dry and thirsty land. And listen, you can't, you know, you can't go somewhere and get this. You've you got to take it upon yourself to get this. When you wake up in the morning, I encourage you, your first opening moment, if you can think of it, Lord God, thank you. Lord God, I, I give you my heart today. Lord God, i got a lot going on, but I, I need you today. Put God first. Psalm 42, we used to sing this all the time too. As the deer panteth for the water brook, So my soul longs for you, O God, for the living God. Jesus taught, we call it the Lord's Prayer. I I think I told you. I have a a friend who who is a Catholic priest. And he would make this comment. But the Lord said, you know, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, Your kingdom come, your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our and he, he made the comment, he's the one who coined the phrase, so as to keep us close to the table for daily relationship. Daily relationship. Then, progressing. We need to release the overflow. Now You may not think that you have an overflow, but the God that we serve never runs out. There's always more with God. You know that, right? There's always more. You can't, you can't even find God. You find one thing, you, there's more to find about God. There's more, there's more to him than we could think right now. But he is a God of overflow. And, and so verse number 11, it says, Beloved, if God so loved us, with uh, verse number 10, which, which he does, he, he loved us and he still loves us so much, we ought to love one another. We ought to. We should. So we have the the greatest commandment that Jesus already gave in Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That means love God and love all the people around you. But in John 13, Jesus said a different thing. You know the greatest commandment. I'm going to give you a new commandment. Love God. Yeah, yeah. Love everybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm telling you, love one another. I said this last week, but I think there were some might have been some issues there. I mean, Sons of Thunder and Peter, that's three. And, and Peter's brother Andrew, I think those four had a little bit of an attitude. And there were probably some of the twelve that were saying, Lord, you want me to love him? Come on. But that's where it started. Love one another. You know, love one another. You, I give you my love. I give you my heart. Now, with that love, love each other. And they did. And they, they continued. They, they prospered, actually. So, yeah, so we need to allow the overflow to come out. In Luke chapter 6, which we won't turn to because of time, but Luke chapter 6 would be described as the rules for, the kingdom, for kingdom living. And Jesus says some things which you'll recognize. He says to love your enemies. He says to do good to those who hate you. He says bless those who curse you. Pray for those that spitefully use you. And once again, he says love your enemies. Do good to them. Give your things away. If someone needs something, give it to them. If someone hits you, turn the other cheek and be merciful. Don't judge, don't condemn, and forgive people. And in that context, he says give all this stuff away. Give your love away. Give your heart away. Give yourself away. And when you do that, it'll be given back to you. Measure for measure, right? Press down and overflowing will come out of your bosom because the way you measure it out is the way you're going to get it back from the Lord. And he, So he, we're saying release the overflow. So let me talk about this for just a minute. Uh, in case you didn't know, as a pastor, as, as a church leader... We are very observant of what goes on in the church. I mean, I'm on the perch up here, for goodness sakes, you know? So we can see what's going on. So how do you demonstrate love? Uh, How do you overflow your love for people in the church? Can I give you a few suggestions? Yes, no, maybe? Somebody talk to me. Yeah, oh, good, okay. Say hi to somebody. It'll make their day. I promise, it'll make their day. I've watched. I've watched new people come in. I've watched them walk by people and sit down, and they have a wonderful time, and they get, they get up, and, and I'm saying, you know what? Can we let some overflow? What do I tell you? Church, Sunday morning service begins on Saturday night. When you come into church, you've got to be ready, church. You've got to be ready to worship. You've got to be ready to love people. You've got to be ready to be used by God. So you see somebody, and it doesn't take much I'm not a genius, but I could tell when someone's having a bad day. I could tell when someone needs a little encouragement. All you do is have to look. Be sensitive to that. And so, now don't get too nosy. I'm not saying that. But just, hi, good to see you today. If the door opens, go there. But don't, don't, don't you know, kick open the door when it's, you know, when it's not meant to be open. But, you know, let God use you to say hi to someone, to encourage someone, to, to, to uh, be kind, to give a, 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 a listening ear to someone, to help somebody. Maybe somebody needs a ride. Maybe somebody really just needs a smile. You know, a little smile goes a long way. It really does. Maybe someone would just feel like, you know, sometimes, don't you feel like this sometimes? You feel like nobody, nobody knows I exist. I could just go, whatever. No one sees me. Wouldn't it be nice if someone said, hey, good seeing you today in church. Oh, you see me? Yeah. Good to have you today. What about the proverbial Pentecostal handshake? When you put a $10 bill in your hand and you shake somebody's hand and they, they come back, Oh, ooh, look at that. Hey, that's not a bad way to show someone that you love them. I'm just saying, and this begins in the church. It's almost easier to love people outside of the church that are all messed up, because, you know, but we're talking about in the church. What about in your family? What about in your family when there's difficult people in your family? And it's hard to love everyone that's so close to you. We're called to love them, too. What about your workplace or your school place or your, or the market p- basket place or whatever? God is calling us, let the overflow, you know, touch people's lives. That's how lives change, when they they see Jesus in us. They hear Jesus in our words. They see the kindness of Jesus through what we say and do and what we don't say and do. So I'm just saying, these are some ideas to let the overflow happen. But you know what, you have to have the overflow. And the overflow takes some doings, as we talked about already. Okay, here's the next one. Remember, remember the commandments. In verse 20, 21, in chapter 5, 2, and 3, verse 21 says, This commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. This is reference to John 13. And there are several places where he uses that phrase. Chapter 5, verse 2, uh, We know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Uh, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And I have to ask the question is keeping the commandments a part of salvation? You know, most of us know the just shall live by faith. So, on one hand, no, we don't have to keep any commandments in that regard, not, not like the Ten Commandments. But on the other hand, James writes that faith without works is dead. So, when you have faith in God, when you believe in God, the love of God is working in you. You begin to do the things that, that we see in the word of God that God wants us to do. So they are related. Salvation and these commandments are related. Galatians 6.2, I said it last week, but Paul wrote to the Galatians. He said, uh, fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ? What are you talking about? We're, we're not in the law. No, you're not under the law of Moses, but you're under the law of Christ. Fulfill the law of Christ and bear each other's burdens. Oh, my goodness, really? I have to get involved? Yeah, that's the idea. Fulfill the law of Christ by doing that. 1 Corinthians 9.21 says, Fulfill the law of Christ by reaching out to those that are not under the law of Moses. In other words, reach out to the Gentiles. Like Matthew 28, go into all the world and preach. Is that a command? Yeah, it is a command. Will that save us? Not all by itself. No, but that's part of salvation. So, yeah, so we, we, we follow the commandments. And the commandments are not a burden, it says in chapter 5, verse 3. Um, they're, they're, they're a joy. It's a joy to be obedient to God. You know, it's not a burden to love people. It's not a burden to go out of our way. In fact, when we do that kind of stuff, actually, we feel better about ourselves most of the time. In other words, we know we're doing something. We're maybe out of our comfort zone a little bit, but we're following the law of Christ by helping, by ministering, by being there, by listening, by giving someone a ride, taking someone to the doctors, whatever. But you know, let that overflow happen and, and see the commandments that are involved. There's many commandments that are involved, by the way. I said earlier, uh, I think it was this service, I get a little confused, but one of the ways that we that we can serve God and, 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 and press in and drink that living water is by living a life of holiness. Think about it. We can never follow the commandments without being a holy person. What do I mean? Well, you can't fill your mind and your spirit with the things of the world and expect that God's going to use you as a vessel to bless people. The, the plumbing's clogged up. It ain't going to flow, church. It's not going to work. So holiness... In and of itself is a, is a wonderful thing to live holy before God. But in that position of holiness, man, we're a clean vessel that God would use for his glory. Don't you want that? I want that. I want our church to have that. But, but see, we, we say all these things, you know, do what you have to do and blah, blah, blah. Follow the, you can't follow the commandments like the, ten, like the law of Moses. You can't do it that way. It's, it's in your heart. You have to want to do it. You have to want to live a holy life. And you have to see the value of being clean before God. I'm telling you, it's marvelous. It's marvelous to be clean before God. Because the water's running. The water's running right through. The Spirit of God's moving through us in that setting. Unholiness clogs the flow. I'm I'm telling you the truth. Unholiness clogs the flow of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't leave us. But man, we're like, we're like walking on, we're like, like a car with three tires and not four. We're, we're bumbling along the way because we're unholy. But when we're holy before God, the Spirit of God is moving through us and it's clean it's pure and it's working and it's functioning and it's healthy and it's good for everybody. It's really good for your spouse and for your kids, by the way, to live a holy life. They will benefit from your holiness right? Let alone your church. Your church will benefit from your holiness. You live a holy life, I'll guarantee you God will direct you to somebody that needs to hear what you've got to say. I'll guarantee it. The Lord is looking for a man, looking for a woman that would be used in that capacity. You know it's true. You know it's true. And you could could skate by, you know, we could skate by and do what we have to do and fill our head with all sorts of garbage on Saturday night and come to church, we'll get by, it'll be all right. God loves us anyway, but he'll never use us. So follow the commandments. But the, but the commandments have to come with a commitment to love God first. Then it's easy to follow the commandments. In and that, and that way. All right, the last thing is this. Okay, we need to respond to christ's love respond to christ's love so a couple of verses here verse number 10 says in this is love that we not that we loved god but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins the first response to god's love listen to this at home listen to this tell somebody if you know it you have to receive it The first response to God's love is to receive it personally. He did all that for you and for me. It would be a shame, it would be a crime, so to speak, not to receive Christ's love. It's out there. But he's not going to make anyone take it. It's out there for you to receive, and receive it every day. Every day make a decision to receive his love. That's how we respond to Christ's love. We we receive it. It's like a, a, mar- a husband and wife mar- marital relationship. You receive each other's love. You receive it. You know, you, you give it and you receive it. So the first response is, we've got to receive his love. Now, let, let me just digress for just a moment. If we're walking with God, we're serving the Lord, and something happens, and we make a blunderous, stupid, sinful mistake, God's love is still there for us. That's why John wrote in 1 John 1 nine, confess it, you know, And and forget about it, God will cleanse you and heal you. So don't let that blunder, don't let that sin be a a, a reason to, to backtrack from God. Instead, when you realize, man, I did the wrong thing, let that be motivation to get on your knees and repent before God and then forget about it and move on with God. So you have to receive his love all the time. It never stops receiving his love. It always is necessary to receive if we ever get to a point where we think we don 't need to receive his love today, whatever, whatever day that is we 're in big trouble. If we think we can function on our own, that will never happen as in the, as in the Church of Sardis, we looked at this the other night during our prayer night our prayer and fasting night, uh, revelation three, the Church of Sardis to the Church of Sardis, write this. You have a name that every, every, we have a big name, but you're dead. Oh, wow. You have a name that you're somebody, but I know your works. You're dead. There's a few that are left that are okay, but basically you're dead. Why? They stopped abiding in the love. They stopped receiving the love. They stopped giving the love. You know, they say the Dead Sea is dead because water flows in and it doesn't come out. It's just stagnant. And sometimes our spiritual lives are dead because we get all this love coming in and we don't give it out. We don't share it. We don't, there's no overflow. There's no relationship. It just lays in us stagnant. So the first thing is we have to receive his love. The second thing, look at verse number 19. We love him because he first loved us. We receive his love, but then we love him back. We really love him back. Well, how do we love God back? Well, we follow the, You know, We follow the word of God. We try to be obedient to what he's saying to do. We talk about him. We we, we pray. We worship. We call upon his name. So we receive him, but we love him back. That'd be like a husband and wife when only one loves, they don't love each other, just one loves. It's a miserable relationship. But he's calling us to love him back. That's how we respond to his love. Uh, Chapter 5, verse 1, it says that, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. So, how do we respond to God's love? We love him back, but we also love other people that are begotten by him. We're the begotten of God. I like that phrase. We're the begotten. Who are you? I'm the begotten of Christ. Who are you? I've been begotten. I've been born again. I've been filled with the Spirit of God. And then verse number 3, it says, this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. So how do we respond to His love? We love each other, but we also keep His commandments. And we're always on the lookout for doing what He wants us to do. So I'm pretty excited about this passage. Been in here for three weeks. And here's our summary statement. To love as Christ, we must realize it's literally impossible to do without the Spirit of God living in us. Number two, to love his Christ, we have to receive his love daily. What happens tomorrow? Man, we have a fresh dose of his love today. I could feel his love today. Tomorrow's another story. I'm going to need a fresh dose tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And we need to release the overflow. Oh, some of us, uh, that's not my personality Can I tell you something? When you received Christ, your personality changed. (laughs) You know, you're different. You're born again, right? You have a different way about you because the love of Christ is living in you. So let that overflow come out. And remember the commandments, that's important. And respond to Jesus' love, I would say, daily. Respond to his love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, we're going we're gonna to read uh, 1 John four seven eight. 8. Why don't we stand together? Uh, I asked this question at the early service, and I said, How many of you remember the day when we used to sing that, those verses all the time? Three people raised their hands. I said, What? Then someone said, Well, sing it. So we sang it. How many of you know this song, 1 John 4, 7, 8? Raise your hand. Wait, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Oh, got a few more. 5, 6, all right, 7, 8 nine ten no (laughs) eight nine okay well let's sing it we'll sing it and then we'll say it someone has to help me because some of the melody i forget dave maybe you could help me (laughs) beloved let us love one another for love is of God And everyone that loveth is born of God And knoweth God He that loveth not Knoweth not God For God is love O oh, beloved Let us love one another 1 John 4, 7 and 8 What, what key are we in? <laughs> oh, beloved F? Beloved Let us love one another for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. O oh, beloved, let us love one another, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. <laughs> it's a new old one, I guess. But what a way to memorize a scripture. Uh, We were singing that back in the day. I didn't even know it was a scripture. But I realized, yeah, that is a scripture. So let's say it together if we can. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Amen. (laughs) All right, every head bowed for just a moment. We talked about responding to God's love. Oh, I know that song too. Hallelujah. Is there anyone here this morning or someone on live stream that needs to receive God's love? You may feel totally unworthy and you just might be. We all are, in fact. That's besides the point. If you're in need of God's love, he's here to give it to you. So you can write a comment online. or Is there someone here in the sanctuary? I need to receive God's love today. Anyone? Raise your hand. Let the Lord see it. All right. All right. Good. All right. Anyone on this side? All right. Wonderful. 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 Father, Lord God, we receive your love. Lord, in, in saying that, we come to this place in our life. We know we're sinners. We know we, we kind of messed up along the way. But Lord, we know that you love us. You loved us enough to die on the cross for us. We believe that. We receive that. And we receive you right now as our personal Lord and Savior and Master. Oh, God, maybe for some we're talking about a recommitment before you today. But, Lord, reestablish your kingdom in our heart this morning in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I wonder if there's any that that you have somebody in your life that you know God wants you to be a vessel of his love and that's a challenge for you because of history. Anyone need prayer for that? I want to be a vessel, but there's stuff. All right. Absolutely. Father God, Lord, Lord, you know our lives. You know, you know where we've been. You know the things we deal with. You know the people in our lives. And yes, Lord, you put people in our lives. Sometimes it's iron sharpening iron. Sometimes it's just a, An opportunity to share our faith and to love on people. But Lord, for those of us that have someone in our families, maybe someone in our workplace, maybe someone in the community, maybe someone in the church. I don't know. And and we know you're calling us to love them, but it's hard because we've just been through some stuff. We pray, Lord, for a realignment of our heart of our spirit, that we would be in line with your love and your heart for that person. And, Lord, that you would use us somehow to touch that person's life. And, Lord, if we're not the one to be used in that situation, we pray that you would send somebody that could touch them the way they need to be touched, a Christian person. Maybe we're on the next level, but we just pray we we give you that situation and ask you, Lord, to move in those situations where we're feeling the tug on our heart to be used by you and it's hard absolutely help us lord and father finally we just uh want to pray lord that we would take this these messages to love as christ and we would really truly begin to love as christ right here at new life right here in the body of christ and Lord, as we gather with other Christians, sometimes for our prayer meetings and different things, let the love of Christ abound within your people. And so we thank you, and we, we praise you for the opportunity to do what you tell us to do. This we pray in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Can we sing that one time?
1: As the deer panteth forth, the water so my soul My spirit healed. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship. Well, let's sing it one more time from the beginning.
0: Could can we gather around up here real quick? Everyone, haven't done this in a while. Everyone, just come on up. I'm going to pray a blessing over you. Praise the Lord. If anyone needs, needs prayer time at the end, we'll be available. Father God, I just want to pray over the congregation today. Lord, let us be like the deer that longs for you. Let us be like the deer looking for the water brook, the living waters of your spirit. Let our soul be thirsty for you, God. Create a thirst in us, Lord, that we would do whatever it takes to run after you and to receive your love. And Lord, help us to apply this, these sermons in our lives, in the life of this church. Let us truly begin to love one another the way you have loved us. So I thank you for this and pray blessings over everyone. Those at home, blessings, Lord in the name and authority of Jesus. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen Amen. and amen. And uh, I, I, just be careful if someone doesn't doesn't want to get too close under the circumstances, you may want to give a fist pump. You can hug.